0: You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. You know, every now and again we have a conversation that shifts the way that we view the world ever so slightly. And from then on, our experience is fundamentally changed. This was certainly what happened to me and was the case with my conversation with my guest today, Rana Dietrich. Rana is a coach, a writer and a speaker who focuses on the stories that have shaped women's lives. She helps women reimagine our stories so that we can tell them in ways that invite beauty, wisdom, and the sovereignty that we desire and deserve. Now, I used the word there, stories. (laughs) We've all heard about stories, haven't we? Storytelling is having its heyday. Everyone is talking about the power of telling stories, so much so that the word is beginning to lose its meaning, which is what happens when everyone and their uncle uses it in every conceivable way. But the way Rana talks about stories, those stories that have shaped our lives, is in a different category altogether. Rana says that it's not the stories per se, but the way the stories have been told to us that have had profound impact on our individual lives and in women's lives collectively. And I'm talking about stories like Eve, Cinderella, or Snow White. And of course, yes, the stories that are more unique to us, to our family of origin. Now, in this episode, Rana dissects these stories and decodes what about them have such profound impact, how we can begin to recognize and hear how they show up in our lives today, and what we can do to begin the process of reframing and reclaiming our stories. I um... Uh, I honestly couldn't get enough of this conversation and I promise you, this is one episode that will open your eyes and your ears and you, you're you just going to hear the world differently after you listen to today's episode. So without further ado, let me step out of the way and I'll catch up with you at the back end. One of the things that I read either on your blog or maybe I heard it on your TED Talk, you said something that uh, along the lines of, we are shaped by the stories that we've been told. The, the word stories, we hear that a lot these days, mm-hmm. right? Stories, storytelling, everybody's storytelling, you know, even marketers are talking about storytelling. But I think you talk about stories differently or you refer to something else. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And just also to kind of level set, are we talking about stories of our, you know, family origin mm-hmm. stories, stories about myself, stories stories about my childhood, kind of what are we talking about?
1: Yeah, well, it's all of that, to be sure. I think when I make that statement that the stories we've been told are shaping the story that we live today, or shaping who we are, I'm thinking about, A couple of different categories. One is the actual stories that have shaped us, but have also shaped our culture. So the one that I easily go back to is the story of Eve, right? That's a story that even if you've never heard it, you didn't grow up in the church, you walked away from the church, you have no affinity to the story of Eve, you still know it. And in addition to knowing it, my work is to really look at how has the way that story's been told, not the story itself, but how it's been told throughout time, shaped the world that we live in. And so with her story as an example... If I were to say to you, do you think that most women, or do you think that in your own experience, you tend to be slightly cautious or fearful about really trusting your own intuition and wisdom? That if you do, all hell might break loose. If you really did what you truly felt, would everything fall apart? Well, a lot of us would say, yeah. Which doesn't mean we're not going to do it. It just means that there's we're really deeply aware of risk in trusting our own wisdom. In my opinion, that's because of the way the story of Eve has been told, which I actually disagree with. I don't believe that's how that story should be told. So that's an example. That story and the way it's been told has shaped the culture that we live in today, even though it's thousands of years old, it's been told over and over and over again with a particular point. Women can't be trusted. Don't follow your own wisdom. Uh, All hell's going to break loose. Your choices screw everything up.
0: So of course, in your TED Talk and the link of which I will include in the show notes, I was taken aback by, by this story because I happened to be a Catholic or I was raised Catholic, no mm-hmm. longer a practicing Catholic, but was raised Catholic. And these stories were very, you know, were told to us from when of we course. were kids. And the moment you started talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Eve, Adam, the, the apple, the snake, the original sin and all that kind of stuff. But when you started talking about it, I realized that, oh, my goodness, how, how could I have not seen that a story like that could have a lasting impact Mm -hmm. on how women view themselves, Mm -hmm. how men view women, Mm -hmm. how we view freedom, how we view temptations, quote-unquote temptations, how we view Mm risk-taking, you know, all that kinds of stuff. And of course, I started to think about how many times... did I hear the fact that when whenever it was that I didn't follow instructions you know but that's the reason you fell into trouble because you didn't follow instructions exactly. and I was able to trace it back to to
1: that Yes oh so goodness. it's so powerful and it makes a difference in how the story's told right if the, if you grew up hearing Eve's story as a an invitation to trusting your own wisdom well, we right. would be in a d- totally different world today, but yeah. because it's been told the way that it has, that has shaped how we understand ourselves, how other people understand us. And I want to give another example of a story, but to follow this one through, the stories that we've been told often become the stories we tell ourselves. So I mm. believe that, well, I don't anymore, but I'll just use myself as an example, Um I I used to believe that I couldn't trust my own wisdom, that my wisdom would lead me astray, that it would be dangerous to other people, that I needed to follow instructions, to use your example. Like there's a right way Mm -hmm. to do things and a wrong way to do things. That's Mm -hmm. the messaging that now runs in my head. That's the story that I hear in my head. I'm not thinking about Eve anymore. This has converted itself into self-talk, Right. And I think another, so the work that I do is working with these really core stories of women, these ancient sacred stories of women that are just woven into the fiber of our DNA and have been told badly, in my opinion, and need to be healed. But there are other stories that we've been told that shape us. I mean, Cinderella is a story Ooh. that we've been told that shapes us. I Somewhere deep within continue to believe I should be rescued. I somewhere deep within think that I should, uh, you know, live in a castle, uh, that magic is what's going to save me. I'm not going to save myself. There's a fairy godmother that's going to appear. Something magical is going to happen. Uh, and again, we can shake our heads and go, oh, that's silly. But deep underneath the surface, they they are active, In our way of seeing our world. Mm -hmm. And so are the stories that we were told as as in our culture or our family of origin, right? Like if, Mm -hmm. if we heard the story of the, you know, renegade aunt who went off and did her own thing and this is what becomes of women who make their own choices, well... If I heard that story over and over again, every time the family reunion occurred, that's a story that's shaped me. So all these stories are usually unconscious to us. We don't spend the time pulling these apart and being curious Mm -hmm. about how they've shaped us. Um, I'm really curious about that. That's what I want to think about.
0: There's something that you said, or the way that you said it earlier, is not so much the story, but the way that the story has been told to us. Correct. Um, and so, for example, if we had in our family a story of a renegade aunt, but the way if it's been told to us in a way that look at how you know enterprising she was, or how brave she was, or mm-hmm. how you know it depends on the emphasis that we put, I suppose. And then I remember a friend of mine, and I don't remember the specifics anymore. A long, long time ago, I was visiting, she has a daughter a long time ago when the daughter was about uh I think four or five years old at that point and now the, the daughter is like 16 17 but anyway I was visiting her and um she was telling the story of Cinderella but she wasn't telling it the same way and I remember telling asking her I was like you have a very interesting way of <laughs> telling you know talking about Cinderella and she's like yeah because I want an empowered Cinderella or something yes. like that and I was laughing about it at that time as so I was just like you know, discarding or discounting it as, as just my my friend being funny. But now I realized the brilliance of that because mm-hmm. you could tell Cinderella in a different way,
1: mm-hmm. in a very empowering way. For sure. Hmm. And think about that even within your own... Mind, like if you think about something in your past that maybe you wish you'd done differently, that you feel shame over, a mistake, a failed relationship, uh, you know, whatever. We tell ourselves a story. We're the teller of the story about our very selves, right? So I could look back at something. I could look back at my marriage, for example, that ended 15 years ago. And one way that I could tell that story to myself over and over and over again is I didn't try hard enough or I should have never married him in the first place or uh, whatever. Like I, Or I can say, okay... Uh, Another way for me to tell that story is to acknowledge that there were two of us in that, that I did the most that I possibly could. It ultimately didn't work out. Here are the four things that I learned from it. So I can choose to tell the story through a lens of shame or regret. And I can also, I get to decide. I'm the teller of the story, similar to your friend with Cinderella or how I'm thinking about Eve. It's not the story. It's how it's told.
0: I was part of a conversation some, some years ago or or I was listening, put it that way. I was it was a dinner and I was listening to some people talking and somebody had said that this this whole way of reframing stories is just semantics. It's just mm. us playing a game with ourselves hmm. about and trying to make us feel better about something you know, that's happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, again, this was many years ago and I didn't know enough at that point. I mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I wasn't as uh, learned as I am now <laughs> about these things. I wasn't pay, t- paying attention about these things back then. But what what, what might you have said?
1: Mm-hmm. Had, had you been mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> in that, you know, in the dining room and heard someone yeah. say that?
1: Well, I would say a couple of <laughs> things. <laughs> I would say... Uh, Well, if it's semantics, and if what we're trying to do is turn a story around in order to make it better, or to make it better for ourselves, I would say, why wouldn't we do that? (laughs) We have Mm, enough things that work against us, if there's any way for us to heal ourselves, feel better about ourselves, be more you know, generative and kind and compassionate and brave, why wouldn't we do that? I think that's the first thing that I would say. Why? Right. right. I think the second thing that I would say, though, is I don't think it's semantics. The person who is saying you're just turning that around to make it positive is already interpreting the story to assume that it wasn't in the first place. Like nothing is objective. There's no, you know, one true way to tell a story. It, it, it is always being interpreted. Always. Like, like I say this That's about true. the, you know, the stories I'm working with, you know, these ancient sacred stories, like even the story of Eve. That that story's never been objective. There's no objective telling. It always (laughs) is through a lens, through a perspective. Even the way it was written down is subjective, right? right? So to say it's all semantics ignores the fact that everything is semantics based on your perspective. Okay. Right. So,
0: by the very, what, 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 why would I think that the first way that I thought about it is the quote unquote right way yeah. to begin with? Because I had seen it with a particular, le- oh my goodness. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and the reason that you would think about a story as right or wrong, especially stories like Eve's or, you know, Mary Magdalene or, you know, these, these ancient sacred texts that I'm working with is because we've actually been told. The right way, the wrong way that's been applied to those stories. And so, of course, those are, we inherit and inculcate those judgments about the women themselves because of how they've been told. And this is why I keep Mm -hmm. saying because of how it's been told. I get to go back and tell the story a different way. If I want to Mm -hmm. in a way that then is redemptive and healing and empowering and takes into consideration the woman's perspective herself, which has never, but isn't considered because most of these stories have been told by men throughout time. So
0: So we have these stories that are Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stories that we tell kids, stories that are, you know, so common that everybody knows these stories. And so are we saying don't tell these stories mm. or how how do we wrap our our heads around the situation where these are so pervasive stories that we hear all the time and not just the story the way that the story is being told there is a common way that the story is being told so it's mm-hmm. not just the story itself is common but there is a there is a slant to it that is the commonly accepted slant <laughs> so is is the point to, to address that or Mm. reverse that or say Mm -hmm. it differently?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on who I'm talking about or to, right? Like if I'm telling my daughters, when my daughters were young, Mm. uh, you know, I appreciate the story you told about your friend. uh, I, my girls heard the story of Cinderella. They knew Snow White. We watched every single Disney movie 6,000 times. Like, you know, they, they knew all of those stories. But at the same time, I'm reading them the story of the paper bag princess. I'm having conversations with them about, do you think this is how it goes? What do you think about ah, this? Do you think right. she should wait for the prince to come and find the glass slipper? Like, is there something else she could have done? Like, I can have inquiry with them. And what I watched in their lives was that when something like Mulan came out, mm-hmm. they loved that because she becomes the protagonist. She's the hero of her own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I they grew up at a time where those stories began to show up. So that's one thing I would say. But I think the second thing it, it is paying attention to the stories that have shaped me. So I can think very proactively about telling stories to other people by asking myself, what's the point I want you to take away from this? What do I think would be most helpful for you? And I can then reframe the story or ask good questions. But when it comes to my stories... The ones that I learned growing up, the ones that I've inherited, the ones that have turned into my own self-talk, I now need to take a critical, and I don't mean harsh, but I mean like a critique. I need to look at those closely and ask myself, okay, well, I can just toss Eve out with the trash and go, you know, not really relevant to me. It doesn't really matter. Or I can say, what, how has this impacted me? What are the things that I just assume are true, not true, right, wrong? And what do I agree with? What don't I agree with? What do I want to let go of? What's haunting me? What deserves more kindness and attention in my own lived story that would be aided by paying attention to the ones that I've been told? There are times where people can say to me, uh, especially if I'm working with people who grew up hearing these stories over and over and over again, right? Like you who grew up in the Catholic Church, right? Like y- you would have an awareness of shame's presence, for example, or feelings of guilt. Let me use that from a Catholic perspective, right? Like you might be very familiar with the stories that have connected you to feeling guilt or shame. And so you'd be able to say that to me. You'd be able to say, you know what, I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore, but good God, like, you know, for the first 30 years of my life, that was the only thing I ever thought about was how I was guilty for this, that, the other thing. Um, and we would be able to go back and look at why, like, where did those stories gotcha. come from? What has informed that? In other contexts, I work with women who, who, aren't thinking, haven't thought about how they've gotten to the place that they are, what the deeper themes have been that have been present all along. Uh, and so we get to explore that together.
0: When I first thought about chatting with you, this was before I uh listened to your TED or watched your TED Talk and before I read some of your writings on your blog, the the, th- the story or the way that I was interpreting story was my lived experiences. So why am I acting ABC today? It was because my experience was like this. So that was sort of how I was interpreting story. That's why I was so fascinated when I heard you, t- you t- your TED talk and I read some of your writings is that there's It's beyond lived experiences.
1: Yes. It's the culture that we've lived in and the world and the larger stories. I mean, you know, again, I hate to keep going back to Eve, but, you know, I make the point that the way that Eve's story has been told affects our politics. It affects women's rights. It affects, and we might say, oh, good grief, that was thousands of years ago. How can that be true? Because everything has been built on top of an understanding of women That is uh, clearly today we're seeing this play itself out again with Roe v. Wade being overturned. Like, um, it, it's, it all goes back to that.
0: Or even the fairy tales, because like I could imagine someone saying, well, those are just fairy tales. Mm. Like, how could they possibly impact Mm. society or us or how Mm -hmm. we are today? Those are Mm -hmm. just fairy tales. That we tell kids, not even adults, that we
1: tell kids. Yeah. So how could they impact us that way? Oh my gosh, so deeply influential. Yeah, so deep. I mean think of, I mean you could think of any of them. Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood. Like they're kind of scary, actually. Like <laughs> um You know, Little Red Riding Hood, the grandmother gets eaten by a wolf, you know, like, okay. So I can look at it and go, this is completely nonsensical. None of that has anything to do with me. Why is it though that I am actually afraid to open a door when I don't know what's on the other side? Why is it that when I encounter a stranger, I automatically go to fear? Maybe I've had lived experiences. Of course. And my parents mm-hmm. told me, you know, don't get in the car with a stranger. Like, there's all these things that build on top of them. But somewhere mm-hmm. in my psyche, what I learned very early on was, what's wrong with you, little girl, for going <laughs> into the woods by yourself? And why did your mother send you with that basket? Exactly. What's going on here? Um, it's, exactly. They do their work on us.
0: We're gonna get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. The Midlife Cue's is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually and we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. I wanted to go back to the reframing and the retelling of mm-hmm. stories, and uh, like, h- how might this look? And maybe I want to focus a little bit on n- less of the of the Eve story mm-hmm. and less of the fairy tales, but more about stories that we've been told or that we grew up with about. Our family our who we are mm-hmm. and I'm trying to imagine how how might I look at a story that I've been told about fundamentally who I am, sure that I've heard over and over from my mom, from mm-hmm. my dad, mm-hmm. from my siblings. How do I even change that narrative?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do I begin
1: sure, so We could begin anywhere. I mean, I think everybody's lives are so interesting, and there are so many good questions to ask and so many things to wonder about. Let me, let me, I'm trying to decide if I want to use someone else as an example or myself. Um, Let me just kind of imagine a situation. Assume that uh, I'm talking to a woman who has been incredibly responsible most of her life. She, is an excellent problem solver. She uh, probably is a caretaker, like she steps in and it takes care of things for other people and maybe is actually a caretaker for younger siblings or for her own kids or for parents now or, right? And she's exhausted. She feels overextended. She feels like nobody appreciates her. She doesn't feel like she can really complain about it because she feels, you know, she wants to be servant. She wants to serve. She wants to be kind. She wants to be compassionate. And at the same time, she's completely burned out. Okay, so... I'm going to obviously listen and care and be compassionate and ask more questions and find out all kinds of things. Eventually, what I'm going to wonder about is what. What are the stories that have shaped you, that have moved you into being a caretaker? Why did you become the caretaker? Why, why are you the problem solver? Well, maybe what I'll find out is that she had a younger sibling that was incredibly sick, and the mother only took care of the child, but not her so she was neglected eventually and then she just repeated the pattern right oh the way that i get attention the way that i know that i'm loved is by taking care of other people that like when i was sick my mom did take care of me so if other people right like it, it there's a sto- there are stories in her own trajectory that have led to that then we look at her marriage that didn't last uh you know i did everything for him i did everything and he didn't appreciate me, and he had an affair, and I felt betrayed. Well, there's story underneath there. Why were you doing everything for him? How did that feed and fuel something in you? What did you learn? What did you witness growing up when you watched your own mother, when you saw, right? Like, So story is a word that I'm using to talk about, to your point, our own life experiences, the things that have shaped us, significant events that have happened along the way, that if we don't look at them closely, they're in full charge of how we behave in our world, which might be totally fine. We might be completely functional, all is well. There's nothing that we're questioning or curious about or disturbed by, but most of us are. Most of us are more (laughs) reflective, more introspective. We keep repeating these patterns that we want to have stop, or we hear this vicious self-talk going on inside our brains. And that's what I want to, I want to figure that out with you, right? Like, why is that the voice that keeps talking to you? Where, who is it? Where does it come from? What are the stories that you've lived and have had reinforced? Again, not Cinderella, Snow White, all those, but the story that tells you you should suffer in silence. The story that tells you you're more valuable when you're a martyr. The story that tells you that it's that if you're not working hard, you're not working at all. The story, right? Like the story that tells you you're more of more worth when you're poor. Like, right? These are stories that came from somewhere. And until we can start to go, oh my gosh, that was like totally what my dad believed, like inside out, upside down and backwards. Well, then I can go, okay, do I need to? No. What's the new one? How do I start to heal this and understand where it's coming from so that I can extend myself some grace and move forward in a new way?
0: I know somebody who is very has a very similar sort of storyline if I could use that word. But on the one hand, I I also know that she would say that she finds value of in caring yes. for others. Of she course. likes how she is when she's scared. Like she mm-hmm. likes being seen as caring and she mm-hmm. likes caring. So on the one hand, she's, she's, she's that. And she probably has that story that says, if I'm a caring individual, then um, other people will like me more because I'm a caring individual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, But at the same time, she's exhausted. Yeah, and like living that story throughout her all her life Mm -hmm. is exhausting. But I don't know that she would be willing to to To, yeah. And no one would
1: want her to not be caring. Like I think that's a redeeming quality and characteristic. So I think one of the places I might start there is to try to parse out. When are you caring for others under some sense of duress? And when is it coming from a place that's profoundly generous? Do you have the choice right now to give care or not give care? Or is it just a given? Is it just expected? Or do you not see a way or do you feel if you didn't give care that you would be less of a person or that you would be less valuable or that people wouldn't love you as much? That's another thing we could start to unwind Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you can be incredibly caring and have really good boundaries. (laughs) You can be incredibly compassionate and you must be compassionate to yourself as well. Like if you're only compassionate to others, but never to, right. There's so many different directions to go with that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you would do that by starting to understand like, what is, how does this give you a sense of value? How does this affirm who you are gotcha. in the world? And where is it sucking the life out of you? Right. Which which places? Is, is it only when you're caring for these four people that it sucks the life out of you, ah, but these three you okay. love? When you're at work, it's great. When you're at home, it's horrible. Well, now we got something new to look at. That got helps it. us start to discern.
0: What about stories that have been proven true? Because of lived experiences, for example, um, the story about self-reliance and, mm-hmm. and and being strong on your own and 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 being able to achieve uh, you, that you don't need a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This whole rugged individualism mm-hmm. sort of storyline that a lot of us have, being mm-hmm. able to you know do it on our own and being able to say, "Well, I've proven it." Is that every time I do things on my own, I am successful. I'm able to get there. And, and when I seek help, I don't get the help that I want. Mm. I, you know. And so, how do we untangle that storyline, mm, 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 or should we even? If yeah. somebody's saying, "I've proven this over and over that whenever I ask for help, people shun me or put me down or whatever. Or I don't ever get any help, so I just mm-hmm. don't." ask for help
1: anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think the question I would ask right there is, all right, so you've not had good experience asking other people for support, encouragement, help, aid, assistance, etc. So you're totally good with doing everything on your own? Well, that's what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Are you good with it, though? Like, is it what you prefer? Do you want to just do everything on your own? Well, yes, because that's the only thing that works for me. Mm -mm. That's not what I'm actually asking you. Do you want your life to look this way? Do, are you proud of the fact, does it make you feel good about your life, that you do everything on your own? Yes, it does. It's the only person I can trust. I feel great about it. It's, 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 it's the best way to be. Then my snarky question would be, then why are you talking to me? <laughs> if everything's good, why are you talking to me? But I think the deeper question would be, at what cost? So yes, Yes. you're getting it all done yourself because you can't rely on other people, but there's a pain point in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'd want to be curious about. Like, what makes you mad about the fact that you have to do it all yourself? What do you do with the disappointment that you feel when other people don't rise up to your expectations um Mm -hmm. what do you do about your own exhaustion that you can't possibly delegate you can't possibly trust anyone else to get these things managed for you that you that you're an island under yourself like what part of that makes you sad what do you wish was different I mean, these are the places you would go, right, to begin to understand what the deeper themes and threads and beliefs are underneath the surface that are driving that. Because it's not, you're saying true, that's how you started this, it's not true, that being a rugged yes. individualist is the best way to live. It's way, because yeah. we must be in relationship and community, right? So if someone right. were to say, this is the very, this is true. It's the best thing. I'm like, no, it's just a lie from the pit yeah. of hell. It's yeah. it's better. It feels safer because I don't have to trust anybody. Right. But it's not better. So right. let's figure that out together.
0: Exactly. And that's another example of, The, the, the lens with which you see things, right? And so to, to someone who sees it that way. So that's truth to that person Mm -hmm. is it's not necessarily the reality. And so another example of how you you look at it from a different angle or Mm reframing it will be a totally different, um, reality or, Mm -hmm. you know, experience. I think, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for, for, being patient with me for asking these sure. questions, Ronald, because you know, a lot of I talk with a lot of midlifers and we're at this stage of our lives where, you know, we've lived with one storyline or a set of storylines all our lives. Yes. And then all of a sudden we're here at forty five, fifty five, sixty five and we're like, I'm tired and I don't mm. know why and I'm not even happy, but I don't know why mm. and there are these stories that have been with us all our lives is that um, we can't even figure out how to how do we, I let go of this yeah. thing, or how could I even you know the whole reframing thing mm-hmm. is a big thing. I was just talking with someone about it the other day, is that how, how do I even look at it differently? Yeah. And so do you think that this is something, and, and this might be a, um, <laughs> this might be a, a funny question to ask of a coach but do you think that this is something that can be done by an individual like as in uh looking at their stories and trying to reframe it mm. or is this really one of those things that is difficult to do on your own you really have to do it with other people or mm-hmm. have the help of someone because it's it's very difficult to you know it's like you can't you can't look at you can yeah. have
1: perspective. Yeah, can I, <laughs> I can't be objective about my own story, right? I, cause it, yeah. yeah, along those lines, yeah. right. I mean, I think there are things that we can do on our own if we're given the right tools. Um, hmm. But only to a certain degree, right? Like, I think I've done a ton of work on myself over the years that I've done on my own, ongoing. Like, I'm constantly and will be forever, I'm sure, in a process of evolving and transforming and growing i hope like that's my desire i've also had people along the way spiritual directors coaches therapists who have mirrored back to me what they see that i once once i could see their vision or their perspective of what it was that i was saying well it changed everything because i would have never seen it that way cuz i'm we're in our mm. own loops right like uh, but I do think, like, you know, there's so many great tools out there. Like, I'm thinking about Byron Katie's work, right, with the four questions. Like, that's a good example. Like, she walks you right through how to do that process. And if you're brutally honest with that process and you persist, it will change you. The problem, I think, in the, those kinds of situations is that we don't actually like what it brings forth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And that's when we we need somebody else then, right? I need someone else to walk alongside me to encourage me who can be generous and gracious and kind with my own impatience because I'll just throw the baby out the bathwater. Like, this is too hard. I don't like it. Uh, which is the value of being in relationship with others.
0: Right. Or if you have a tendency to be really critical of yourself, then having someone who can be Gracious with you so that you could be able to <clears throat> have a little bit of self-compassion as you. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes we can't be the ones, I mean, especially if we're really lost in self-critique and inner voice that's really harsh, we can't, we can't be the ones initially to heal that. We need someone else offering us a voice about us that is shocking, What do you mean I don't have to feel shame about that? Like you might even argue with me initially, right? But I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to say, I don't think you need to feel any shame there. Here's how I see you. Here's what I think. Uh, And hopefully we get this in our significant relationships from family, from friends. Like there's lots of places that I hope on behalf of others that that is mirrored back for them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us don't. There are a lot of people who don't have that in their friendships yeah, exactly. and family. So
0: this has been a great uh, conversation for me. And I'm sure that, you know, the listeners are going to find value in this conversation. Mm. So where can people find you online? Where's the best way to find out more about you or to follow you?
1: Yeah, the best place is on my website, ronadietrich.com. And I'm on both Instagram and Facebook. So those are great places too
0: beautiful. I'm going to put a a link to to that on the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your insights with with me and the listeners. I appreciate it so much.
1: Thank you for having me. So good to have the conversation. I loved it. When I was 20, I was massively insecure and a bit of a mess. Uh, Now, I am really clear about my value and worth and capacity uh, and really grateful for who I've become.
0: I want to thank Ronna Dietrich again for sharing these insights with us. I've included the links that we have mentioned on the show notes. So head on over to secondbreaks.com for the show notes and the highlights of this episode. Again, that's secondbreaks.com. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please do me a solid and share it with your friends. You can tell them about this specific episode with Rana or about the podcast in general. You spreading the word about the show helps tremendously, and I would be so grateful. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and... Keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.